Greetings, I'm John Duvall. Welcome to another Truth Factor discussion. I hope you missed us last week because we weren't here due to illness, but we're back and our topic for this week is going to be looking at the subject of effective Bible reading. I'd like to thank you so much for joining us on this uh, Wednesday, this hump day as they call it, during the middle of the week. If you are watching this at a later time, thank you also for your interest in spiritual matters. Um, let me tell you how you can participate in today's study. Paul, who normally shares this information, is not with us here today. So you're probably watching this, if you're watching it live, either at um, youtube.com slash truthfactorlive slash live. If so, feel free to drop your comments into that comment area there. Let me bring up my little handy-dandy note there. Uh, that's youtube.com slash truthfactorlive. Or you're probably watching us on our Facebook page, and that's facebook.com slash truthfactorlive. Use the comment area there as well if you'd like. We're monitoring that. If you are using our live.truthfactor.com viewing page, um, that's streaming to you the YouTube stream. You can drop your comments down there. We, we try to monitor that too. And of course, all questions can be sent to us at questions at truthfactorlive.com. As I said, we were going to, today we're going to be looking at the subject of effective Bible reading. And I think this is a very important subject because when you stop and think about it, Bibles are plenty. Um, when you look into the world, just go to YouTube and, and look up uh, Bible markings or Bible reading plans or any number of things like that. And it's clear that people acknowledge the importance of reading the Bible, of studying through the Bible. Whether or not they agree with, with things that we teach, you look within their lives, you look within our lives, and people see the need to read the Bible. But reading the Bible needs to be effective. All right? There is a right way, and I believe there is a, a wrong way, if you would. And a lot of times, the outcome of your belief is going to be affected by the approach you take to studying the Scriptures, of reading the Word of God. And one of our questions when we get started will kind of address the difference here. But fundamentally, when we say study the Bible, reading the Bible, in our mindset here, in our study, we're kind of talking about the same thing. Uh, but we will delve a little bit into maybe some of the differences there. Uh, Tom, Tom has prepared the study today. Let me uh, bring you up here, Tom. Tom, uh, you know, when you put these questions together, there you go. When you put these questions together, your goal was kind of help individuals to see a, a good method of reading the Bible. I'm assuming that's kind of the approach you took. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, and a couple of preliminaries dealing with that. Mm -hmm. Number one, uh, last time we were together, we talked about our need for prayer. So this just goes hand in hand with that. Uh, secondly, this is uh, what what brought this up is is not me. Uh, and when, when I say me, I mean, uh, if I can mention his name, uh, there's a gospel preacher named Mark Roberts. He preaches, I think, in Irving, Texas. Yeah. And uh, uh, and he's emphasized effective Bible reading and what. What I'm bringing out today, a lot of that is based upon his material. So I want to give him credit up front. Yeah. I know he recently preached a meeting where my son Joshua is in Tennessee. And this was one of the lessons that he presented. And actually at Irving Texan, he did two lessons on it. So, yeah, so Tom, um, Mark is at the West Side Church of Christ in Irving, Texas. And Tom, we, we reached out to him the first week. We reached out to him. 
And um, he had just come back from a gospel meeting, and he was sick and, and, and was way, way behind on his work. So I contacted him again. Hey, good news. We had to postpone the study because I was sick. Would you like to join us? I reached out to him again, and he wasn't able to join us for our study. So yeah, Mark, Mark's a pretty busy guy. So. Yeah, he is. He's, he's one of those real preachers that, that stay really busy with stuff. So Yeah, exactly. Right. But anyways, getting to the question of, of Bible study versus Bible reading, uh, they're very much related to each other. But I, I think that there is a difference between them. You know, when we think of Bible study, it's the, I, I think of a more intense and detailed study that involves maybe word studies, studying some topic in detail, a contextual study where you're, where you're breaking down the context and all those types of things. Uh, oftentimes it involves external works, lexicons, dictionaries, um, commentaries if needed, and, and various things that are associated with that. a lot of research. And quite honestly, Bible study can be intimidating. And I think a lot of people, uh, a lot of people uh, hesitate to commit to Bible study because of how intimidating it can be. On the other hand, when we're talking about Bible reading, what you're talking about is simply opening up your Bible and reading it. However, understand that there, when, when I say that there's still a difference between just reading it for the sake of reading it uh, and, and actually reading it to, to get out of it what it actually says and make some application as you do this on a regular basis in your life. And that's the focus that we're taking in this, uh, uh, this study this hour. And Tom, you, you kind of has, have already introduced the first question that we had submitted. Now, I'll go ahead and tell you this real quick before we, before we um, continue with our study. And I meant to mention this earlier. We've started a process of where we create a Google form that has the questions that we want to talk about during the course of our study. And if you'll look at the Facebook announcements and the YouTube description of the upcoming study, as well as the front page of truthfactor.com, we, I, when we, when we update a new set of questions, I try to put them at all three locations. And so you could go in, and, and yes, you'll need to give it your name and email address, but we, we don't keep those. And you can go ahead and submit ahead of time the answers to the questions. But if you're not able to do that, of course, you can use our comment area live as we go through the study. And as I mentioned, Tom kind of talked about, introduced our first question there. And we'll, uh, we've got a couple of responses to that, but we'll see what the other guys thought, see if they want to uh, add anything to what Tom pointed out there. And let me share this with everyone at home real quick. So here is the question. That's not the question. There's a question. And let's get rid of Tom's name. We don't need Tom's name up there, do we? <laughs> so there's a the question. Is there a difference between Bible study and Bible reading? All right. So let's start with the, the guys in the study with us here. Uh, Brian, Tom, Mike, Shelton, y'all want to add anything to what Tom has brought to the forefront here? I think I think the distinction is important to understand, um, and I think what we want to understand is if they are distinct, they're both important. But they both have a, a different purpose and a different value. And Bible reading, of course, has has a value. The Bible says, "When you read, you'll be blessed." You know, in several different places. But the concept of actually studying the Bible, of uh, taking a smaller amount of the section you're looking at 
and actually trying to have a deeper understanding of it is probably more akin to what we're commanded to do in places like Second Timothy chapter two and verse fifteen or elsewhere, where where we have admonitions that we're to to study to uh, to put an effort into a comprehension of the more difficult things of the Bible. We're told that in Second Peter chapter three that Paul had written some difficult things to understand that people that were uh, either uh, without self-control or ignorant of the truth uh, could twist those things that are destruction. So we need to be careful to say that just reading through it sometimes, if we're ignorant of the of the application, we're ignorant of the, of the deeper meaning, or we're ignorant of the context, that all those things could end up hurting us if we ended up twisting that to our own destruction. Okay, all right. Yeah, uh, I, my... I fully agree with that, Brian. Uh, Paul says to Timothy at 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 13, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. I can't prove the scholars right or wrong on this, but there are many scholars that take that verse and explain that give attention to reading uh, at that time would have been an audible reading. In other words, you don't read it to yourself like we're sitting in, a, in an easy chair with a light over the left shoulder and just reading. We actually read this aloud. As, as a Bible reader, as well as a Bible student, I have found that in reading the Bible aloud, you can change the emphasis on various things and get a great uh, and, and enhanced understanding of things. For example, um, when when the uh, Syrophoenician Lord, uh, Syrophoenician woman came to Jesus begging help for her daughter, at the final uh, part, she says, Lord, help me. Where do you put the emphasis? Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Or Lord, help me. As you read it aloud and put the emphasis on those different words, it, it puts yourself in the story and lets you think about it more, which is another suggestion that I always give to those that are new at, at reading the Bible or understanding it. I'd always tell them, you find as you're reading, put yourself in that story. You be one of the characters. Let that story apply to you. Now, while they're reading it for chances a novel, when you put yourself in the story, there's a lot more adventure and a lot more understanding and a path to follow, if you will, that will lead you to that full understanding. And then you develop the study of that text. Okay. All right, it's a good point. Very good point. Um, I've often thought, even to myself, sometimes reading out loud makes it easier to digest. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm reading. I like to do that the while text. I'm drinking coffee in a restaurant. It gets people interested in what you're doing. <laughs> That's right. Um, now, one thing I'll bring Shelton up real quick because Shelton, he's been a Christian for a good while, but he's he's, he's fresh starting in his in his studies as a preacher. Um, but the one thing, the one thing to keep in mind is don't fall. It is possible sometimes to try to study too deeply. All right, I think there's a time to go word for word, but I think sometimes it's like a picture. If we're not careful, we 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 get to the point to where on a computer screen we're looking at each individual pixel, and we lose sight. And I've seen guys do this. They'll they'll, they'll pick a word and spend hours trying to define and see how that word is used, and they end up altering the text or the purpose or context of the passage. You know, so it's, I think you can get too deep and read stuff in that's not there, you know. All right. 
Here's what we had submitted from the questions, and, I, and I've still got to figure out a better way of bringing these in. But in answer, to, in, asking the, in answer to the question, Dan Gatlin says, reading gives the larger context, the big picture. Study delves into the details. Both are important. That's a good way of looking at that. We've got the big picture when you read and read and read, but the actual study lets you get to more um, details. Uh, Gregor, though, he says, yes, in reading, I may just follow the text in order. In study, I take notes, maybe look at cross-references, or view multiple accounts. Read Kings and Chronicles, for an example. That's a great point. You read through Chronicles, and you read basically about the history of the nation of Judah um, and the division, the southern nation of Judah there. But you read Kings and Second Samuel, you're focusing on the actual kings of both the northern and southern nation once the division hit. So it's a good point. Good point, guys. All right, let's go ahead and bring up then the next question that we wanted to talk about. And um, and I think this is a very interesting question. Where in the Bible, and Tom, we'll throw this to you here in just a second, but where in the Bible does it talk about Bible reading? There was a brief reference to this while ago, I believe. But when you study the scriptures, are there any references? to where we see someone reading the Word of God or reading the text of the Scriptures there. So what do you think about that, Tom? Oh, ab absolutely. I, I think there's a number of passages in Scripture uh, uh, that basically points out that reading was a part of the culture of the first century. As, as, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, the Jews, you know, the Jews read the Scriptures. You, you, you may recall, and, and I, I put down the wrong reference, it's not Luke 6, but... But remember when Jesus was in Nazareth and he uh, 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 he goes into the synagogue and, and they give him the scroll to Isaiah and it's read. And uh, then he comments on it after it's read and so on. So it began with a reading. Uh, the eunuch in Acts chapter 8 in verse 28 and following, he was reading the book of Isaiah and Philip used that to teach him. Uh, there are several of the epistles, uh, and I got Ephesians 3, 4, Colossians 4, 6, as well as other places that basically Paul gave instructions that they were to read the text. And, and, and as I understand in those passages, uh, this was a public reading, a public reading type of a situation. So I know that's a little different than the private reading that we're talking about. But the point is, is they read the text. And, uh, and you, you would also add to that, uh, Mike, Mike mentioned 1 Timothy 4.13, where Paul told Timothy, give yourself uh, uh, entirely to reading and so on. Uh, uh, and it's also just implied in, in passages where uh, Hebrews, Hebrews 5.12, the writer there says, by this time you ought to be teachers. You know, how are you going to be a teacher if you don't take the time to read the Word of God? And I think it's important that we understand this, uh, you know, in, in discussing that reading versus Bible study, I appreciated the comments of, of Gregor and, uh, and others from that standpoint. Uh, I, I remember hearing a, a, a preacher one time in teaching young people uh, or young preachers that if you're going to teach a class, before you start studying it, you need to read the entire text of the book 10 times. And, and, of course, the whole point is you read it, and that gets you that overall picture, and then you study. Okay. All right, good point, good point. 
Um, and that seems to be a general consensus. Um, the, the passages, matter of fact, the passages you, you mentioned, uh, Dan Gatlin submitted those as well in his answer there on the form. Um, Gregor, though, takes a little bit different approach to the question. And, and, and I think I know where he's coming from. He says, no, it talks about loving God's word, but the word was placed there to study. And I think he's going at it from the standpoint, you have some people who read the word of God almost out of habit, not because they love the word of God. Um, they, they, they read to read. They're not really there to, to learn about God. You know, it's kind of, kind of like the, the, the habitual reading plan. I like Bible reading plans. Don't misunderstand me. But if it's like, oh, I forgot to read my Bible today. What are the verses? You read through it, shut the Bible, go to sleep. Yeah. You know, it's it's almost um, obligatory than uh, desirous, if you would. Yeah. So. yeah, that's actually the next question, isn't it? <laughs> you know, good point. Good point. We'll look at that in just a second. Um, any thoughts from Michael, Ryan, or Shelton on this? You know, we know that our faith comes from the Word, and that's the only thing I, I thought wasn't mentioned. Um, you know, Tom mentioned some great points. I even thought, you know, if you want to look at an example of an individual uh, reading alone, uh, we, we do have Acts 8 with the unit. Uh, Tom dropped that in our chat there. Uh, he was reading the Bible individually. But I think, you know, when we look at it, for those of us who already believe uh, that have the faith, sometimes they think, well, you know, I've got the faith. What's the point of me going to read the Bible? We know that our faith comes from hearing the word of God. Yeah. And if we're not constantly putting ourselves in a position to hear the word of God or to read it, uh, then our faith is not going to grow. And eventually our faith is going to die. Uh, I've heard it said several times. I believe it in a Christian's life. You're either increasing in faith or you're decreasing in faith. There is no middle of the line. You don't just stay at your uh, consistent point of faith. And so reading the Bible uh, or studying the Bible, both of these apply to that, is crucially important to make sure we're continuing to grow in the faith. Uh, and, the world will constantly challenge our faith, and if, if we're keeping our nose in the Bible, then we're going to have a good foundation. That's right. And, and let's keep something in mind, and, and Shelton, what you said kind of sparked this. The difference between us and the first century is this. If you lived in 40 A.D., okay, 10 years, 7 years after the church began, all right, you would have had the Septuagint, which was a Greek version of the Old Testament. And that's it. Now, maybe if uh, early letters might have been written, you maybe might have, might not have had them. 20 years after the church began, 30 years, 40 years, finally letters would have been written and starting to be circulated. So how did people study the Word of God? Well, in the first 20 years of it, they would read from the Old Testament and hear in the public assemblies and in the study environments, what the word was being given, you know, the word being given by the apostles, and they would have to meditate on it. You, know, you think about us today, we go home, or what did the preacher say? You know, Mark 16, 16. Oh, yeah, let's open that up. But they would go home and say, now, what did Paul say we had to do in order to be, be saved? Well, this is what Paul said, or Peter, or whoever was inspired. And so there was a, I, there had to have been a lot of mental rehearsing and reviewing of the things that were taught, and this is how the faith grew within people. Yeah. So, John, would it not also be the case, and and this kind of borders on speculation, mm -hmm. but it would be the case that if you and I were, and all of us men were in an audience such as that, where books were non-existent as we know them now. I mean, nobody nobody went home with a leather-bound volume of Paul's sermons. 
or Peter or John's or anybody. But is it not reasonable to think that some of them took notes and rehearsed these things so yeah. that when it yeah. was so that when they heard it, then it, 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 very few of them were actually inspired. I'm talking about the hearers here. They're just right. common folks to me. So that in order for them to retain that knowledge, would they not have written some of these notes down and yeah. discussed those things back and forth to where, yeah, they had access to the Septuagint, if you will, but to carry that thing home, they'd need a truck. They didn't have it. <laughs> they, they only had bits and pieces that they could keep for themselves yeah. for, 100, for, for 100 years or more. Books were in scarce supply that you could take to your home. They had to have absorbed this, had to have discussed it frequently with their friends and, and family, and most important, in that reading, would rehearse that as the old law commanded among the Jews, mm -hmm. daily with their children. So that if we, if we bring that up into today's time, I'm still wanting to know who the is that after the first century church met together daily from house to house, Who's the guy that says Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night's enough? Yeah. See? Some American. If it's not a daily reading, you read the newspaper every day. Why yeah. can't you take 20 minutes and read God's word every day? That's right. You know, that's a good point about note taking. They, they would have had th writing, obviously, ways to have written. You know, now. Digital recorder, you know. If, if, <laughs> if, if it, now, what I don't know is how convenient it would have been sitting in the synagogue when Paul was preaching to have a little papyrus, you know, a little, yeah, you know, sitting there and, you know, but you know, it's just a suggestion, but somehow or other, this had to be retained and yeah. enters into this discussion of reading. What are some of the right reasons to read the Bible? As we're, I think that's a question, world. Well, so that you can remember it, you know. Well, before we get to that, great. yeah, hold that thought. Let's go to the next question, which is some wrong reasons. Sure. Question number three there. Um, and Gregor does make a point in the chat room, and I'll send this over here real quick. That was the point that he was making, that some people read frivolously, you know, and we shouldn't be reading the Word of God. It needs to be out of love that we read the Word of God and a desire to grow and study. So that, that that's the that's a very good point he was making there. All right, so the next question has to do with, are there any wrong reasons to study the Bible? And I think that's a very good question. Oh, sorry, that didn't push forward there. There we go. What are some wrong reasons to read the Bible? Mr. Tob, tell us, if you would, sir, what would be considered some wrong reasons you see to study the Bible? Well, you... Well, you've kind of already mentioned some of them, you know, I mean, if the only reason you're doing it is to get through a schedule and, <coughs> and, and like you said, you know, oh, I get done, I, I'm, I'm done with this, I've done my job for the day, but if you ask, you know, well, uh, what'd you just read about? Oh, I don't know, you know, I mean, I mean, if you've done that, oh, another wrong reason that I could think of would be some trivial type of reason where, you know, uh, you've got to say you've done it, but you've also got, you know, there are people that are looking for interesting facts, trivial facts, counting words, uh, uh, how many times a word is used, those kind of things, looking for mistakes, looking to criticize uh, as opposed to approve. Uh, may, maybe it's maybe you're looking at reading through it just to find something to prove what you've already made up your mind you believe. And, uh, and you're determined to find it in the Bible. And by the way, chances are you can. 
you know, uh, yeah. if, if, if depending on what you're willing to do to the text. So yeah. I put those as some some wrong reasons uh, to to read. Um, Dan is thinking in the same way you are. He wrote to justify self in some manner, like an existing practice yeah. or doctrine, maybe to look for loopholes. Um, and Gregor, he says, to prove your point versus looking for the truth of God's word or looking for God's truth. You know, I, I've, a statement that I like to make, we shouldn't study the Bible to prove what we believe. We should study the Bible to improve what we believe. And I think there's a fundamental difference there. If we study to prove what we believe, we'll never really grow, yeah. you know. But if we study to improve what we believe, then that's where our growth comes in. Yeah, I like that. I like that statement. I was on the same exact mindset as, I guess, the majority there with that uh, as to a wrong reason to study the Bible because I think it's the most common wrong reason people study the Bible. Yeah. Um, and I think it comes down to closed-mindedness and open-mindedness. And, uh, and we're going to talk about here in a minute ways to prepare ourselves to read the scriptures. I think this kind of falls under that category a little bit. Yep. If, if our preparation into reading the scriptures is, okay, you know, I want to be able to do this. So I'm going to seek out a scripture that tells me I'm able to do that. Instead of studying the scriptures and reading them and then letting the scriptures tell us what it is we can and can't do or what it, you know, not just do's and don'ts, but the way we should uh, guard our hearts and different things like that. I think going into the scripture, reading and studying with an open mind, considering all of the possibilities until those possibilities are proven wrong by scripture. And, uh, you know, I, I think even even among, you know, our denominational friends and us, the arguments we get into sometimes, it seems like the other side is so incredibly unwilling to at least consider the possibility from the very beginning of their study on it, that there's no possible way that the truth, if that's the truth, would ever be found. You know, we, we have to consider everyone's suggestions, all the possibilities, until the scripture proves them wrong. And then we can say, okay, the scriptures say that this is not true. This is not correct. And so we no longer, you know, we're not going to consider that possibility anymore. Uh, but a lot of times I believe we talk where the scriptures are silent uh, just because we want it to be that way. You know, that's a very good point. That's a good point. Um any thoughts from Brian? You've been kind of silent in the last couple of questions. You know, I uh, one of the things I wrote down is that sometimes people, especially, uh, you know, uh, among denominations or very worldly people, they have a supernatural spiritual expectation. Um, you know, I was looking at Revelation 1-3 a minute ago where it talks about if you read, you'll be blessed. Um, that blessing, of course, speaks to a spiritual understanding and things like that. Some people might think, well, if I read a certain passage, I might be blessed with, you know, physical blessings, wealth, whatever it might be. I've met a lot of people that think that way. I've met people that think that they can read certain passages of the scripture that uh, will give them a, a supernatural healing. You know, um, I've met people that believe that they can just flip open the Bible and God will mark the spot that they're supposed to be reading and and will answer their question kind of like a magic eight ball. Um, I would certainly suggest that that kind of supernatural approach to reading the Bible is the wrong reason to read the Bible, that you're... Uh, you're looking for magic, not the truth. And uh, that, that would be one of the things I might add to everything else. That's a good point. Good point. Yeah, wasn't wasn't that the prayer of Jabez? Remember how a few yeah, years ago? Yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. if you read that prayer, you'd, 
you'd make money more or less. It, it was supposed to be a prosperity a thing, exactly. So yeah, it, it really you're exactly right, Tom. That was that. Uh, there's a passage in Ezekiel that I can't remember now, but uh, I've known a lot of people that say, "Hey, if you're hurt really bad, you read this verse and you'll you'll be healed." You know, and that uh, uh, I've known. You know, in fact, I saw a movie once with Robert Duvall where. He opens the Bible up and this person's been in a car wreck and he's reading this passage over them to stop their bleeding. That is interesting. And it's they not do a spell that. book, right? <laughs> well, All right. I said, I said it's not a spell book. Yeah, right, right. That's a good point. Good point. All right, let's go on to the next question, though. What are, and I think this is something that's strongly considered because it kind of is what fuels our Bible study. Um, what are some good reasons or what are some right reasons to read the Bible? Let's talk about that for a minute. Um, Tom, you want to carry that one? Well, well, you know, the, the number one reason we ought to do it is because God tells us to. And, and, and I think that's implied in Scripture. You know, in other words, if we, if we want to grow the way that we ought to, we need to do that. Uh, we need to learn what God wants us to do. I mean, the... How many people today are so misguided with the, I think this is what God wants me to do, or I think this is okay, uh, you know, so on and so forth. If you want to know what God wants you to do, you got to listen to God. Uh, uh, I get, we didn't even bring that out at the beginning of this lesson, but I, we've talked about it in times past. You know, uh, God's word is how he communicates to us today, period. Uh, I mean, if you want to know what God wants you to do, you're going to have to read the Bible. Uh uh, it, it helps us prepare as we try to teach others. And uh, uh, in addition to that, it, I, I think in, it just, the more you read, the, the better understanding of spiritual matters you're going to have. In, in other words, you're not going to understand everything by reading it just once. But if it becomes a regular part of your diet, uh, a daily thing, over time, you're going to learn more and more and you're going to understand more and more. And then I appreciate what Mike said earlier about, you know, to help us remember. So, so those are my thoughts. Okay. Any additional thoughts from the guys here on the study before we go to the questions or the submitted answers? I think uh, Tom mentioned it and it's been mentioned in the other questions. I think these are kind of overlapping a little bit, but uh, you know, the way I think of the right reason you know, the right reasons to study the Bible is to strengthen our faith, uh, like I mentioned earlier. Yeah. Uh, and also to understand, like Tom said, the knowledge and the and the wisdom from God that's in those. Uh, you know, we're going to talk about, again, preparations. So I won't step on that. Uh, but I, I think that the preparation of it's huge in order for our reason to be studying the Bible is to see what God wants us to hear. He put those words there for our learning. Second Timothy 3.15 says that this book contains the contents that make us perfect to achieve every good work. Uh, and so I think that's the right reason to read the Bible, to be perfect uh, in every single good work. All right. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, in very similar uh, mindset to what we've already pointed out, Dan Gatlin says, in regarding to what are some right reasons to study the Bible, to learn God's will, we will be judged by God's word, and therefore we need to know it. We would need to know if we want to be able to do the will of God and to know that we're going to be judged by his word, then we got, we have to know the word. Um, and Dan and, um, Gregor says we set out our environment. No wrong question. 
Next question. <laughs> Dan answers, he says, to gain knowledge and wisdom of God's will and purpose, to be approved by God. I mean, very simple, very simple, but so, so true. All right. So let's move on then to the next question that we have. And again, if you're able to see the form at Google Forms, you can follow along there. Um, we do create an RTF, which is simply a rich text format of the questions. And you'll find the link, hopefully, if I got them right in the descriptions, the various locations, as well as on truthfactor.com front page there. And, and, and basically, that's there so that you could download it, your word processor. And then if you wanted to submit the questions via email, you just copy and paste into work real easy like that. But let's come up now to the next question. What are, and this is a good one here to consider, what are some steps we need to take to prepare to read our Bibles effectively? Okay, what are some steps that we need to take in order to read our Bible effectively? All right, Mr. Thomas, what do you think about that? Okay, uh, uh, you know, obviously we need to make preparations, and, and that's kind of the point to understand. And, and the first thing to say about that is you got to plan to do it. Uh, you, you absolutely need to be plan to, to make plans to do it. And, and when you're making plans, it's something that needs to be done regularly and it's something that needs to be done often. You know, at, 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 if you want to grow spiritually and in the Word of God, at a minimum of several days a week, you know, I know, uh, you know, uh, ideally every day. And, and, and I, under, I understand that point. But, you know, several days a week, you need to be taking a little bit of time uh, consistently to, to read through the Bible. And, and you need to have some type of a systematic plan. And, and what I mean by that is your determination is over the course of time to read through New Testament, whole Bible, uh, complete a book or a set of books, those kind of things. Uh, th there needs to be something systematic to where you're not reading the same thing over and over and over and ignoring the rest of it. Um, uh, that's the point. Uh, it's already been mentioned. It, it's recommended that you set aside uh, a minimum of 20 to 30 minutes a day. And, and, and there's a reason why when we get into, you know, how to do this, you, you need to have enough time to think about what you're reading after you spend a few minutes reading. Uh, another observation to be made as you're talking about making plans, you know, as you set up your system, don't overwhelm yourself. You know, don't don't make don't make a system so high that you're almost destined to fail. You know, I I I, uh, I remember one time when we were looking at a bunch of different Bible reading plans. There was this one individual that created this plan where he wanted you to read ten chapters a day, and and it was like a you know a a, a chapter in the Proverbs, a Psalm. Uh, uh, different ones in, in, in uh, the New Testament and the Old Testament. And, and you know what? It sounds great, but you'll overwhelm yourself with that type of a thing. So, so make a plan that works and be patient. You know, realize that you're not going to be able to read through everything in, uh, uh, even in a year, you're not going to read through the whole Bible if you're doing it effectively and i'm not trying to be dismissed say you can't read through it you know a chapter a day five days a week you can read through the new testament uh, that but but be patient and don't get frustrated if you're not learning and going as fast as you want to uh, another observation is uh find a good place where you consistently do this and where you can put your materials uh, kind of it's recommended that you find a place that's as free of distractions as possible 
because when you're reading the Bible or whatever it is, you need to be in a place where you can concentrate on what you're doing. And then, then the, the, just get your materials together, depending on what your plan is, pen, paper, uh, a, a, a notebook of some sort, maybe a wide margin Bible, if that's what you're going to use and you're going to put notes in the side of your Bible. Um, or, you know, you know, something to document what you're doing. And of course, the whole purpose of this is if, if you think about this, if you want to learn something, they say the best way to learn something is to do more than one of the five senses. And the more senses you use, the better you're going to retain something. So if you're reading the Bible, uh, you know, that's using your eyes. If you're reading and talking, which you mentioned a few moments ago, if you're reading it out loud, you're using two senses. If you write it down, that's another one. So, and, and of course, that's going to give you recall and give you something to appeal to late. So that's my just kind of a whole bunch of things right at the beginning. Tom, what is the name of the, the book you referenced by Mark Roberts? Uh, uh, the, uh, he just did some sermons on effective Bible reading. Okay. He has a book on Amazon called The Reader's Companion to the Five-Day Bible Study oh, yeah. Reading Schedule. Um, it's free, well, depending on your credits and stuff. But um, here is the, um, get rid of that. Here's the link to, or here is the image of it, the name of it. You can search it up on Amazon. And um, they do have a website he does called fivedaybiblereading.com. It'll look yeah, like something yeah. like that. And yeah, apparently yeah. I, I actually put the link in our in our discussion. Okay. To the five, yeah, there it is. You got it right there. Okay. Yeah. And apparently he's he's working on the 2020 schedule right now. Um, okay. Thought I'd just share that share that with everyone there. So that's yeah, Mark yeah. Roberts. Search for that. Yeah. Um, and the points that you are oh, ahead, Mike. Can I add uh, just another basic comment to this, please? Sure. Mm -hmm. Everything that we've said is, is absolutely right with the assumption that we're talking to people that want to read the Bible. Yeah. True. Let's make another let's make another ploy here or another plea here. No one's going to profit from the reading of the Bible until they first realize the necessity of reading it for the sake of their soul. So that I'm going to just say it very bluntly. No one can appreciate the value of God's word until they first realize how lost they are without it. You know, we, we, we talk about it, that, that our country was based on biblical principles. Who knows what they were if you haven't read the book? We talk about uh, the, the, uh, the right for everybody to have a freedom of religion as the political statement. Well, you know which one to do if you don't read the book. Uh, the, the individual has to understand and desire to know what God wants for him. And until every individual comes to the understanding that I need to know God, I need to know what God did, I need to know why he did it, that interest has to precede even buying the Bible. You buy a book because you're interested in the topic. Well, the mindset of all mankind has to be, I am very interested to know where I came from, why I'm here, what I'm doing, and who's in charge. And the Bible will give you those answers. Peter said, according to his divine power, he has done us all things that pertain to life and godliness 
through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. It's in the book. Read it. Good point. That's a good point, Mike. Um, when we kind of assume that people who are watching this type of study already have a level of interest, but it may not be that way, you know, and if nothing else, hopefully we might encourage someone to give consideration you know, to, to the very thing that you just said and develop that understanding of the need to study the scriptures. It's a good point. Um, we had a couple replies to the question and very similar to what has been pointed out. Um, Dan Gatlin says regarding what are some steps we need to take? He says prayer. And that will lead us to our next question shortly. Finding a quiet place, preparing our minds to learn and to focus. You know, personally, I've thought of several times I've tried in my life to read in the morning times. The problem is I don't get up early enough. I think I get up early and I decided I'm going to sit down and do some Bible study. And then I got to stop and do this, stop and do that, take a kid to school, stop and do this. You know, and you pretty, you got to find some time where you are uninterrupted. Um, Gregor says, set out, uh, set, uh, set up our environment free of distraction. Gather some supplemental materials. If, if you're going to use them, do so cautiously. Um, and most of all, pray, thanking God for his word and asking for knowledge and wisdom in its discernment. And unless there's any other thoughts on this, this will lead us then to kind of our sub-question under this one. Any thoughts from Brian and Shelton? All right, so here's the next question as it goes, and this has to do with prayer. And it has to. And here's the question. Let me bring it up here real quick. What are your thoughts on the need to pray before studying your Bible? What are your thoughts on the need to pray before studying your Bible? Um, Tom, do you think there is a need to pray before studying the Scriptures? Yeah, absolutely. And and, and the only comment I really added to that because uh, you've given a reason. I uh, I think you need to pray before and after. I mean, you know. Enter into your study with prayer, and, and, and what I would recommend is as you're entering into your study for prayer, uh, some of the things you might consider is maybe praying for wisdom. To, you, you know, you know uh, James 1, if anyone lacks wisdom, ask of God. I, I, does that apply spiritually? I, I believe so. Pray for an honest heart, you know, a, willingness to, a willingness to do what takes place, and, and, and uh, uh, pray that you have a proper attitude and as as you read the word of god so 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 yeah i i see that as your as you start your as you start your bible reading and you might also add conclude your bible reading with a prayer and what i would do in a concluding bible reading is i would include in my prayer some things that i just got done reading about you know okay. uh, you know how how to apply that how to help me apply that to my life now today yeah and, and I don't, I don't disagree with what you said, but there, there is something though that I've often wondered about when people pray. People pray, help me to have a proper attitude towards your word. Help me to love your word. Help. Aren't these things that we should be doing of our own accord? Now, praying for wisdom, James talks about that. Um, as a matter of fact, Gat, uh, Dan Gatlin quotes from David, open my eyes that I may see wondrous things of our law. Uh, from Psalms 119, verse 18. And he says, proper study will bring wisdom with several Bible passages there. And Tom, the, the point I'm making is, is that we may pray to God to help us to have a proper attitude towards his word, but fundamentally it's going to start here. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, and, it's. And, 
And I absolutely, I absolutely agree with that, John. But in honesty, is there anything that we pray to God for that He doesn't already know? So, so in other words, yeah. in other words, as I'm as I'm saying that in my prayer to God, it's a reminder to me that I need that good and honest heart, and and, yeah. and help That's me help me point. to realize that I'm going to help me to realize that what I'm about to read is you speaking to me. And help me to help me to do it with a proper attitude. And and, and again, uh, yeah, and 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 you're right about making the point. There's nothing miraculous in it, which, which is which is the mistake that a lot of people make yeah. today, or the belief that a lot of people have, is that God is going to miraculously give you wisdom. No, He's not. <laughs> you know, He's not going to He's not going to miraculously change your attitude. Yeah. Uh, you know, like you said, you, you got to do that on your own. But 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 your prayer reminds you. You know, that's Tom, I like the way you said that we 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 ask for those things because fundamentally we know we need help with them. And yeah. if we acknowledge we have a problem, we have issues, we have struggles, then hopefully that'll put us on the right road to fixing them. And we're asking God for help right. to do that. Yeah. In whatever way he does. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right. Any uh, thoughts from any of the guys? Uh, Brian, since I threw your name up there, any thoughts? <laughs> so, uh, you know, I actually was thinking about this, and I had written down a comment a little different uh, than, well, I, I think you guys kind of summed it up well, because I wrote down the idea, what is your thought about it? It's, it's good, but I wouldn't say it's required. One of the yeah. things about the yeah. Bible, and you guys actually said it very well, so I don't want to hammer it too much, is that, is that the greatest part of the of the you know, uh, value of the Bible to the reader is, is based on our purpose and intention, uh, that there's no supernatural characteristic. And this is a big denominational idea that they'll say, well, you can't understand the Bible unless you ask God to reveal it to you first. And, and I would want to say that that's not any purpose of prayer with reading the Bible. That wouldn't be a part of it. There's nothing I can think of that we can do that we shouldn't be praying about first, whether I'm, you know, eating meal, whether I'm taking a trip, whether I'm you know, just about any venture I take on, so we could we could make that application. I think I would stop short of saying it's it's necessary or required that we must pray before we read the Bible, because I think you know uh, I think that the way the Bible works upon us isn't by uh, as I said a supernatural method of you know prayer enables it to work. I think we can read and understand Ephesians three and verse four states, and that 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 really fundamentally is the point. Because what we often say is that even the unbeliever can read the Bible, develop faith. And then come to God, and that's all absent of the interaction of prayer. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a very good point. Um, what we don't see in the Bible is a Bible study session. You know, so it, it is up to the individual as to how they approach their Bible study, whether or not they they need to pray or they want not need to even not even need to pray. I'm sorry, desire to pray. You know, and. Um, but if you're going to pray, pray that the Bible study will be effective and you'll gain the wisdom and have a proper understanding. And, um, and in some cases, John, reading it will even teach you how to pray. A very good point. Yeah, very good point. Which brings up another, another topic we don't have time to talk about. What about preachers who start their sermon and end their sermon in prayers? Despite the fact prayers have already been offered several times during the worship service. We can talk about that later. <laughs> All right. Um, By the way, Mark Roberts ends his sermons with a prayer. Okay. All right. 
That's one if you four. Listen to any of his sermons, he always does. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do. I'm not against it whatsoever. Oh no, it's not wrong. But not at all. Oftentimes though, we look into the denominational world and you see practices beginning and then eventually they make it they make their way into good or bad, right or wrong. They make their way into uh, congregations and um Really, I'll you do that, Brian. You in my sermon this Sunday, then. Really, I'd stepped on a toe. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It doesn't bother. <laughs> you didn't I'm not, step not... on a toe. You, you hit a nerve. <laughs> and I'm not. I, it sounds like I'm mocking it. I really am not You're mocking not. it. Yeah. Um, You're not. No, nothing wrong with it. That's the yes. point. Yeah. Um, but nothing if a preacher feels like he has to do it, that it's a part of the preaching process, then there's an issue. You know, it should be because this is what I would like to do at the end of the sermon. Yeah. All right. So we got one of those here. Who knew that? <laughs> All right. Real quickly here. Sorry. We're about to, I'm about to run us off the rails. And uh, we had another submission of a uh, answer real quick. Gregor says, praying sets the tone of my study sessions. It helps me express to God my willingness to follow what he says versus what I think. And that's a good point. That's a very, very good point. And I think prayer is a great thing in combination with our Bible studies. All right, so, Tom, the last uh, question. John, I, have, I have one one little point oh, real quickly. I'll move one back. little point? Uh, yeah, yeah a little, just a little point quickly. Uh, you know, the, these two things are already mentioned, but I want to kind of, you know, maybe somebody can relate to this. John already knows, you know, because I've been here for about 10 months now. Uh, I get very distracted very easily. Uh, very. And, you know, that's just my personality been that way my whole life. And so in preparation to really study the Bible, if I really want to get something out of it and have uh, an end result study or an end result sermon that isn't just a spider web of thoughts and, and studies where people can't understand it, I have really got to set aside that time where the door is shut. There's not anything else on. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm only in my thoughts of the scriptures. And, and I know that some people are also like that. You're not going to be able to do it at your kitchen table with your family running around. Uh, I can't even do it at my kitchen table with my wife home very easily. Uh, and that's not her fault. You know, she's not distracting me on purpose, but that's just my personality. Uh, and then again, like, like was mentioned, prayer is extremely important for me. And here's why I believe it is. Because like a lot of people probably watching and a lot of people on the panel, maybe all of them, I grew up in the church. My parents raised me in the church. Uh, I've been hearing one teaching done on doctrine my whole life. It's extremely easy for somebody like me, especially starting to preach, to just jump right on the preaching that I've heard my whole life and preach the same thing they've preached. And if I go into my Bible study on marriage, divorce, and remarriage, and I'm not saying I disagree with the doctrine I've been taught, but if I go into my study on that, or I go into my study on baptism or whatever other doctrinal points that we like to really emphasize and drive home, I end up just teaching what I've always been taught. And that's not a Bible study that I have done for myself and strengthening my faith for myself. Uh, and so prayer for me, when I go in to study my Bible, my and, and like you mentioned, this is done individually. It's not a miraculous thing God does for me. But, you know, maybe like Tom mentioned, it being a reminder. But to me, I remind myself through that prayer all the time to open my mind up and study this as if it were the first time ever hearing about this subject kind of get all of the previous teaching and the previous preaching I've heard done on it out of my mind and do it for myself. 
Uh, and I think members of a congregation that have grown up in the church need to do that too. Don't just take what the preacher said and study it the same way that he said it. Study it for yourself. And hopefully, you know, if both of you are getting truth out of it, you'll agree. But don't just, you know, jump on the, the bandwagon or the, <laughs> you know, conservative preaching train and, and just ride it. You know, you need to you need to do it for yourself. I think that's a very good point. Um, and you and I, we've had conversations about that um, a, a good bit here. And and I remember as a young preacher, when I first started out, I had a couple of sermon outline books that were very beneficial. And, and I'd been a Christian for a number of years, but I was still a kid. I was still very young. And um, what I found over the course of times is a lot of those sermons that I thought were really good, those sermon outline books were pretty shallow. Um, or would make use of a verse in a way that the context doesn't make use of the verse. And, um, but I, I've kind of, I'm, I've known some preachers that I'm afraid develop 200 sermons and that's all they ever preach, you know, and, and their view today will be the same in 40 years just before they retire. No additional thoughts, no additional learning. It's just their stock sermons. And that's well, not, and, and yeah. You know, and for me growing up in the church and still being only, you know, almost 21, not even 21 yet. It's, I've done it several times where I start to preach a sermon and I think, okay, what have I, I've heard preachers use this verse. I've heard preachers use that mm -hmm. verse. And I, you know, I grew up listening to Harry and I, I trust Harry's doctrinal studies uh, a lot. Sure. And I think that he's done it individually very well, but uh, you know, I have to still be careful. Uh, you know, we saw this problem with, with preachers in the past that were very, very faithful doctrinal preachers and they go off on a subject on doctrine that's wrong and how many people followed down that road without doing the study for themselves because they say well so-and-so is this sound in doctrine and i heard him teach this my whole life then he must be right right mm -hmm. that's yeah. dangerous that's exactly right you and are extremely wise for doing that and it, it, it's it's like the apostle paul said to the church at corinth examine yourselves see whether ye be in the faith Know that Christ is in you, except you be a reprobate. And reprobate means trash. You know, you can believe all you want and have all the confidence you want in someone else. But if you don't have your confidence in Christ, you're reprobate. I commend you, my friend. I really do. Don't lose that mindset. I appreciate that, Mike. Thank you. Okay. Um, I had one comment coming from Gregor. And I think um, I think I think I may have been sounding like I was saying this. No, you cannot pray too much. Gregor says you can pray too much, and his point is you cannot pray too much, and that's a very good point. And I'm afraid what I was saying earlier may have come across as uh, kind of being you know leading to that point there, and it's not. So our last question, real quick here, um, we're going to talk very quickly. Are there things to consider? that will make your Bible reading, your Bible studying more enjoyable or a joy? And Tom, why did you give us that question? Tom, you still there? Tom, unmute. Yeah, may, maybe muted. Yeah. I, I am. Uh, oh, sorry about that. Uh, again, this goes back to Mark Roberts. Uh, uh, I, I listened to a couple of his lessons putting this together, dealing with this. And he made the point that, you know, sometimes people see Bible study as a drudgery, the I have to do it type of a thing. 
and 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 if that's the only if that's the attitude you have when you're doing this, you're going you're not going to get as much out of it. So basically, there are some the uh, there's some things you need to have in your mind, kind of in your mindset, to help you understand this. You know, for example, uh, for example, uh, uh, he gives three suggestions to consider as you're thinking about Bible studying. Number one, realize that you are connecting with God. The idea of that is, is this is how you listen to God. When you pray, you're talking to God. When you read your Bible, God's talking to you. So realize that this is God's communication to you. A second reason that he gives is this the way you're going to grow. You're going to grow spiritually by reading and studying the word of God. There is no other way. Uh, and, and, uh, and, and basically, I see this kind of as an idea of over time, when you look back and you realize how much you know more now than you did in the past, that's something that uh, gives you joy. You know, I think of those light bulb moments. Uh, you, you, anybody remember the movie of the, the Karate Kid? Where, 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 where Miyagi, yeah, Miyagi would sit there and make him wash cars and paint uh, fences. And, and he finally got upset with him. And, and, and then, and, and he made it work, you know, when he did it. And that was the repetition, uh, you know, when, when, uh, when Miyagi said, uh, uh, wash car and he did like that and he stopped the move. Uh, we have those light bulb moments, you know, when all of a sudden you've read something nine times and you didn't get it. But the 10th time you read it, all of a sudden it opens up. That's a powerful thing. And that gives you joy, you know, in your reading and so on. I use it in description of the plateaus. Yeah, the, 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 and I know that as a preacher, and I, I, I believe this is true of every one of you all, uh, and, and, and anyone who reads and studies on a regular basis, you have that point where all of a sudden one day your preaching goes to the next level. You know, you, you may float along for two or three years reading and you're at a certain level, which is all of a sudden it's like a light switch clicks. And then you're at the next level and, and you're moving up from there. So I see that as a second reason. And the third one is just to confirm that what you believe is right. It helps you spot the false teacher and expose error and so on. And when you realize that as you're as somebody says something and you say in your mind, no, that's not right. And this is why. And it's because you know the word of God. Those would be three reasons. Uh, and I know you can add bunches more to them. Uh, uh, one real quick thought. Read Psalm 19 and notice the joy with which David writes this and talks about the word of God. The word delight in the New King James is found nine times in Psalm 119. And then you've got other verses like uh, Psalm 119.97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Or, or 103. How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. David delighted in the word of God. And we need to get that type of an attitude if we are going to consistently read the word of God. Okay. All right, very good, very good points. And you were saying a, a, a lot of those are coming from the book by Mark Robert, Roberts we referenced a while ago. Well, actually, it was a or, couple of sermons that he preached on. Sermons, okay. Uh, it, was, it was earlier this year. If you go to their website at the West Side Church, 
Okay. It was like February of 2019. If you have, if you have a, about an hour and 15 minutes or so, I encourage you to, you can watch the videos of, of these two sermons. And he goes into more detail about this. He also talks about establishing a path with which to read, which is the idea of, uh, you know, as you're reading through a text, uh, you know, ha have a plan. Yeah. What's it saying to me? What's it saying to me? And if you have a path, and that's actually an acronym, which maybe we can deal with it some other time, but 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 an acronym, so that in every chapter, you know, what in this what in this text tells me to the uh, uh, praises God? What what in this chapter admonishes me? Yeah. Uh, what in this passage causes me to trust God and His Word? And what in this path gives me hope? Uh, this passage gives me hope. So that's okay. the path. All right, sounds good. Sounds good. Um, real quick, we had two. Um, I want to submit these um, answers for your consideration, Dan. And answering the question regarding joy, he says, realizing that God is the source of the Bible and He wants us to know His will, and in true joy comes only by those who submit to His will. Matthew five one through eleven. And then Gregor writes, truth is to be celebrated. If I have an incorrect assumption that I need to understand the error of my ways, knowledge is also a joy. Seeing how God's plan works together, it is the highest form of science and art. It's a very good point. Very good point. All righty. Well, um, Mike, Brian, Shelton, any final thoughts on uh, what we're just looking at? I wrote a lot of notes from what you guys had to say. I really appreciate it. Uh, and I, uh, I think the brethren here are going to hear some more about this because it just was a really good study for me. Well, I, I appreciate. You know, it, it, there's you meet a lot of people that say, "Well, I don't read well, or I don't like to read." Mm -hmm. And being the old duffer that I am, I just look at them and say, "Get over it. Read the book." <laughs> one one final thought about Bible reading, because I've had people, you know, my friends say this that are not Christians, but they've got a Bible and they'll, you know, my best friends even asked me a couple times, you know, I tried to read this and it's too advanced for me and, and all this stuff. And, and I, I just want to, sometimes preachers can make it sound like this book is extremely difficult, but this book was written by our, by the inspiration of our father for everyone yeah. from every intelligence level. You know, it doesn't matter what college education you have, high school education, no education, uh, your education level doesn't matter. Your status in, in life doesn't matter. Uh, what country you're from, what race you are, it doesn't matter. Every single one of us is going to have to sit at the judgment seat of Christ. And this book is there for everyone. And, you know, when Philip taught the eunuch, all he taught the eunuch was Jesus Christ. The the coming, the, the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ, and the salvation that's found in baptism. If one can understand that, they're going to be okay, you know, and, and they're going to be able to obey the gospel, and they continue reading, they continue learning, but your learning level doesn't have to be in ancient Greek <laughs> in order to be saved. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's an important message for everyone that no matter what your intelligence level is, you can read and you can understand the gospel of Jesus Christ and you can be you obedient exactly to it. Right. Yeah. You know, Shelton, exactly. Bible study is a lot like going to the gym. Okay. If you've never been to the gym before, you have no idea what to do. So you go to this one piece of equipment and you tug on it and it's too hard for you. So you go to another one, put your legs in it and you can't get anywhere with it. Some people will open Ezekiel six, Zechariah 10, <laughs> you know, <laughs> read a couple of verses, shut it says, no, that's, that's just too over my head. 
Um, you got to start in the right place to develop an understanding. I think that's why it helps finding a material for biblical basics because it will give you a yeah. place to start reading. You know, maybe in the Book of Acts or in the you know life of Jesus Christ, it'll give you something you can start reading. You'll understand exactly, exactly. All righty. Well, um, Tom, I appreciate you taking the time to put these questions for us and doing the research into this study method. We, um, based on our schedule, we won't have a study next week, I believe it is, because next week is, no, wait a minute. We do have a study one more week. That's the 18th. Okay. Um, I'm not sure of the topic yet. We'll have to figure that one out. And then uh, we'll, we'll, we'll announce here in the next couple of days of what we're going to be looking at next. And then the week after that, we will take the week off because it is a very important day um, on the 25th. It's my birthday. And so I'm, yeah. I'm going to be busy with my family on my birthday. And so we're not going to have a study here. The whole world celebrates. I bet we'll be celebrating your birthday. I bet we'll okay. Be any letters, send to Brian at truthfactor.com or Mike at truthfactor.com. Especially the ones with gifts. <laughs> That's exactly right. All right, so we'll let you know. We'll let you know what's coming up. Yeah. All right, thank you so much for your time and attention, Dan and, and Gregor. Thank you for participating in filling out the Google Forms. And if you'd like to do that, please watch our uh, description of upcoming studies in our youtube.com uh, slash truthfactorlive page. Also follow us on facebook.com slash truth factor live, and you'll see our upcoming studies there as well. Thank you so much for joining us and Lord willing, if all goes according to plan, we'll continue our studies next Wednesday at 11 o'clock AM central time. Then be 12 o'clock Eastern time, 9 AM Pacific time, 10 AM mountain time. That's right here at live truthfactor.com. Have a wonderful week.